0: Sox fans,
1: here are the Bastards of Boston baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe, and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do, and we mean nothing you can do, will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the kansas city royals sweeping them four games to nothing and i've already dropped the ball i have no idea where we are in the american league east it's at least three or four games up i think tampa bay was off today so we've padded our lead three and a half games Terry. three Three and and a half half games. games all right and uh so Seven wins in a row for the Boston Red Sox. First team to 51 wins. An MLB best. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. And when they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, I would normally say press the stop button immediately, but you don't have to worry about it tonight because we've won seven in a row. We might destroy a certain pitcher, and by we, I mean Charlie. We'll get into that shortly. I am Terry Cushman, coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB, and you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. Job, how are you?
2: Doing great. You know, I love when we win 15 to 1. Uh, I wish it was a day baseball, but you got to fly out to L.A., you got to do what you got to do.
1: Yeah, I hate day games, but at least it was a blowout. You know, there wasn't that suspenseful drama game that we kind of like. It was, it was the 4th of July a few days early. Fireworks everywhere.
2: Yeah, and I don't like watching Andres pitch. So I, I got to turn it off a little early. It was great, <laughs> you know.
1: We missed that. Yes, absolutely. I, they were up, full disclosure, I, it was 12 to nothing. And then I had to go to work. And I, I was just kind of content that we were going to not have the worst come from behind uh, loss of all time. So, also joining us tonight, coming off the bench for Andrew Dwan from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith, who is dressed lightly again.
0: It's, uh, you know, it's awfully hot up here in New England. Uh, it was 99 <laughs> degrees a couple days ago. And uh, I mean, it's it's almost as hot here as the the Red Sox have been. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised right now. I'm so I'm so happy.
1: See, the audience doesn't know, but every episode we're connected via Google Meet, which is like Skype, Zoom, whatever. And uh, so they don't see the video; they get the audio. And Charlie is uh, not wearing a shirt. We are assuming he is wearing at least shorts, but. Um, <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, he's he's saying not necessarily. But, yeah, so where can they find you guys on Twitter? I'm a mess. I'm a
2: well, you can find me mess. at J-O-B-M-L-B. I make the same joke on every show, so this time I'm going to let it go. Um, <laughs> okay.
1: Not, s- not this time around. I'll say it. Don't send him any job applications.
0: Uh, Charlie, uh, your Twitter handle. Uh, Mine is smith underscore MLB, S-M-I-T-H underscore MLB. Pretty straightforward. Pretty
1: straightforward. All right, so four-game set, this time against the Royals. We got the sweep after losing the set to them, uh, I don't know, what, two weeks ago, two games to one. So very frustrating series uh, last time around, this time we dominated, uh, Monday, the Garrett Richards start. We won six to five Tuesday with Nick Pavetta. We won seven to six, couple of close games. And then on a Wednesday, the Martin Perez start. Red Sox win that one six to two after an extremely lengthy rain delay. And then today with Nathan Avaldi, they put up 15 runs in the, series finale uh, they'll be headed to oakland we'll cover that uh, preview at the very end so i gotta get something off my chest right now i kind of hyped it on twitter you guys can see it the audience can't you'll you'll hear a can opening maybe yeah they can hear that so what i have here is uh A ridiculously large can of uh, Arizona fruit punch, and I'm about to be a diabetic. Um, I said, I said about six weeks ago when we had this brutal schedule, I said, if the Red Sox are holding their own after this stretch, after a bunch of tough games, I'll finally drink the punch. And my only concern is we got killed both times against the Astros in that stretch, so we'll hopefully redeem ourselves in October. But um, here it is, officially me drinking the punch.
0: It happened. It just (laughs) happened.
1: Yeah, I'm probably the second most negative on the show. Charlie... I, one.
2: I give it a week, and Terry will be back to saying this team
0: sucks. <laughs> Terry's, so. ter- Terry's going to be throwing the punch at people. <laughs> Have another sip, Terry. Have another sip. You look younger. Don't
1: spit. Well, I'm going to be fatter for sure. Um, yeah. I uh, I was two, 270 at the start of last baseball season. Got down to 197. I'm about 208 right now, so put a little bit back on. But I've been behaving myself lately especially at night drinking more water so anyway all right studs and duds and normally we're all business tonight a little bit of uh shenanigans so we will get down to business right now uh Job, you're gonna lead us off tonight who is your stud for the series
2: my stud for the series is Kike hernandez um i didn't think i'd be saying that but He went five for 13. He walked a couple of times. He had a couple of home runs. He had a great defensive play in center field. He's playing like the guy that we saw in the postseason for the Dodgers. That got everyone all hyped up to buy Kike Hernandez, number five jerseys, and, you know, make him the number one selling jersey in the city of Boston for a couple of weeks. This is the guy that everyone thought we were getting. I don't think he's going to be this guy forever, don't get me wrong. Uh, But it's nice that he's getting hot right as, you know, we're getting towards um, the dog days here. So hopefully he can keep it up. I like having a bona fide, you know, hitter in the leadoff spot. And uh, it hurts a lot less um, when he strikes out a couple of times if he's on base two or three times before that.
0: Uh, You know, there was a whole bunch of, just kind of hullabaloo talking you know talking about how Kike Hernandez just it wasn't working we need to bring him back to the bottom of the lineup and after like the last couple of series like against the Yankees and against uh now the Royals he's he's found himself he's he's starting to have it click i mean first pitch off of this is the last series but first pitch off of Garrett Cole and we're winning 1-0 that's that's just the beginning of the end for him because there was another home run that inning. It's almost as if it took a couple of extra months for him to kind of click because I don't think he expected to be the solution as the leadoff hitter, but at least right now it's, it's fitting. I mean, it's working and I don't think that Kansas city is the best team in baseball. So that definitely has something to do with it. I do think that Garrett Cole is a really good pitcher. Uh, with or without the Spider Attack, and he went yard already on him. So a great series. Five for well, 13, yes. that's. You know, if you want to extend it past five for 13,
2: you know, if you look, look a little bit longer term, over the last seven games, he's 292. So that incorporates that Yankees series 292, four yeah. walks, five strikeouts, six RBIs, three home runs, seven hits, uh, seven for 24. And then if you go back 15 games, he struck out 12 times in 53 at bats. 14 hits, 9 runs, 4 RBIs uh, – uh, rather, 11 RBIs, 4 home runs, 7 walks. He's hitting .264.
0: And he had He's hitting two sixty four at the top. He
2: did indeed. And if he hits two sixty-four at the top of that lineup, and you can put somebody on in front of uh, Alex Perdugo, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, we're going to score a lot of runs. If you look at some of the numbers – uh, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Rafael Devers are, are all top three in RBIs since the beginning of 2018, even with the terrible season that we just watched. If there's a guy on base in front of in front of those guys, they're going to bring him in. So if he can hit 264, this team is a hell of a lot better um, than when he's not in the lineup.
0: Yeah, I'd
1: agree. I'm not sold on him being the leadoff guy, but Cora will ride the hot hand because, again, w- Who's the solution? There are none. So it it was good to see. I didn't expect him to hit so good there. I do love him no matter what in the bottom third because I just think it brings a lot of stability to that part of the uh, order, like I've said on previous shows. But no doubt he was definitely pretty solid this time around. He had hits in three out of the four games on Wednesday. He was 0 for 3, but did reach base with a walk. So he reached base in um, in, in every game, all four of them. And the one thing I have noticed that I've definitely been more impressed with him is his plate discipline. He's working the counts a little bit better. You're not seeing him 0-1, 0-2. Uh, almost automatically, like we were seeing earlier in the season. So that's very encouraging to see him grinding away more at the plate. My favorite moment of the series, though, with Kike, was that diving catch he made in the outfield when he almost went into the side of the bullpen wall out in the triangle. It was a very Jackie Bradley-esque catch, just completely fearless, fearless, caution to the wind and uh, saved what probably would have been a triple had he not caught that. So love to see it. And I think I did have him as a stud. I can't remember if that was the Yankees series. So it's nice to see him being on the stud side of the spectrum for sure. Are, Are you guys, before we do move on, are you guys definitely sold though that he is the leadoff guy? Going forward, like that, he. Like, let me rephrase that: that he could be a bona fide leadoff guy. No. I'm
2: not. Um, no, I think there are just nothing but bad options at this point uh, for this Red Sox team as currently constructed. Um, so for me, right now, I don't hate it. Uh, I think he'll probably be there for the remainder of the season, even if Jeter Downs. I mean, not Jeter Downs. I apologize. I've got him on my mind for the Futures game. Even if Jaron Duran comes up, I think he probably slots in in the bottom third of the order. And Kike probably hits leadoff for the rest of the regular season at least. Um, And Cora probably tries to piece together the postseason however it turns out.
0: I I see him going eventually back into that seventh slot because you got to go with... um, you got to go with what you know is going to work. And this is just a couple of series, and I I don't mind him in the leadoff spot. But if you were to ask, I think any Red Sox baseball fan, do you think, would you rather have Kiki Hernandez in the one slot or would you rather have Verdugo in the one slot? He's not going
2: to Verdugo, though. He's made that very clear, even though we think Verdugo might be a better leadoff hitter. He's made it very clear that he does not want to hit leadoff, and Cora's made it very clear that he's not going to push him to do that.
1: Yeah, Cora has said. I, I've seen him say he just loves the two through five to be in that order, you know. So things things could change. I mean, an acquisition could still happen, though that could um, shuffle things a little.
2: Well, you know, Terry, I'm on. I'm on the Hunter Renfro to lead off train. <laughs> I, I like. I like. I like to picture Hunter Renfro at the top of the order. Um, very consistently, I think he would be a great top of the order bat. he puts the the bat on the ball um and we'll, we'll talk about him, I'm sure, at some point either during this episode or the next, so I won't get too much into it.
1: Well, it's an interesting concept and certainly not one that gets talked about, so um yeah we we can discuss it um all right, actually Charlie, who's your who's your stud?
0: <laughs> uh, the boy job over here um is uh foreshadowing so my stud was was hunter renfro and it's finally starting to come to fruition about what i said earlier this year about comparing him to mike Napoli about mashing and whatnot once the summer hits and the weather's nice and warm homeboy is going to be slugging and in this series he had three bombs he had six runs scored six rbis he only struck out a couple times um but he had a similar series as far as hits went uh, to Kike. I think he went five for fourteen instead of five for thirteen. Um, only drew a walk. But you know when you're hitting three home runs, the moonshot that he hit—it's uh, still there. Dude, that was such a fluid swing. It's still going up. Like they showed, they showed it like still rolling once it like it it left the park. It, it possibly, if the wind wasn't blowing at all, it might have left Massachusetts. That thing was disgusting. Um, he's finally starting to do it. This is a guy that after the first month was hitting a buck 67 with one home run. The second month he did really well. He's hitting 319, had six jacks. He's super consistent now. He he had six homers 15 RBIs last month, five homers 20 RBIs this month. He's scoring more runs. He's getting uh he's hitting just for ridiculous power now. And for someone that had uh, an on base percentage. Of th- you know, two thirty-five the first month, it went to three thirty-three, and now three seventy-eight. You're tipping four now, and for the year, you're still, you know, just under three thirty. If you can keep doing this, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see how it's going to be a shock to see somebody like this with, with twenty-five to thirty home runs. I mean, you know, he's, he's, I, I look at back. it,
2: I look at it, Charlie, and I say that if, if the All Star game was in August, he's an All Star. I mean, if he had another month of doing this, he's he's in the all-star conversation, especially the way he's playing defense. He's got an absolute laser uh, in right field. It makes me not miss Mookie at all. And, and that's not because he's not performing in Los Angeles. It's because these are very similar numbers to what we got in the non-MVP Mookie seasons. I mean, Mookie, it's not like he was hitting 330 every season. Now uh, He had a couple of seasons that were up and down and then a couple of seasons where he was the best player in baseball. To me, that Hunter Renfro is consistent. He's hitting 275, and it, and he's got, I think, 12 home runs. If you put his numbers next to, say, Raphael Devers right now, and they were blind, I would be shocked if every single person got those numbers right. If you just put the stats up with OBP, slugging, um, numbers like that, the average fan might not know, you know the difference. He has made the lineup that much deeper, especially with Christian Vasquez 7 instead of you know 2 through 6. And it's that much harder. He's getting a lot of fastballs because people are, you know, pitchers are tired. By the time they get through the heart of the Red Sox order, they see, you know, Devers get to first base and they go, OK, I need to get this next guy. There's all these guys on base and they just groove fastballs for Hunter Renfro. It's like batting practice for him. And Cora is very clearly telling him to swing for the fences. You know, I mean, he's telling him, just, just put the bat on the ball. Don't strike out. And his smooth swing is leading to power. It's great.
1: So the audience knows how I feel or, or how I did feel about Hunter Renfro. You know, I just thought it was going to be a trash signing. And I, I'm getting chirped on Twitter. Not going to glorify these people by saying their names. But you know, I might chirp you on Twitter. They're acting no. like. I mean, he's hitting 270. I, I'm showing 272. This might be 24 hours old. And his his career average is 235. So he's hitting 40 points right now above his league average. And let's see, his career OBP is 296, 327 on this season. So. His on base percentage is 30 points above what his career numbers are. So these people are like, see, told you Renfro was going to be good, see? And I'm like, yeah, you knew he was going to have the best year of his career. The dude was trash. By 40 points. You know, he's yeah. not,
2: it's not like he's having the best year by 10 points on average. You know, 40 points. He's is killing a lot. it. And
1: nobody's taking credit for that because they didn't see this coming. He's been phenomenal. And look, I got my punch in my hand. I'm going to take another sip. Hunter Renfro is good. All right. And I think it's more than a streak at this point. He's just he's just he's in a groove and it looks sustainable. And like you said, Joe, the lineup is a lot deeper right now. And he's a guy that you can put behind Devers. And Devers is a lot more protected now than he was the first five or six weeks of the year. So Yeah, I
2: mean, if you look at his ability to just put the bat head on the ball, he's not striking out a lot, and that's what's really changed. I think there's definitely been some work with with Hayes, the hitting coach, and also with Cora as far as approach goes because you see him jumping all over the first pitch a lot, but really what he's doing is he's taking that, that first pitch ball. If that first pitch isn't right over the plate or where he wants it, he's taking it, and he's making you throw him a fastball middle in, and he's driving it. He's got a swing built for Fenway. He could put that ball off the monster anytime he wants, and it's beautiful.
1: He doesn't have many at bats. You, you don't. Even if he doesn't get on base, you you are not sitting there thinking, "Man, what a what a terrible at bat by Renfro, Like you might with a guy like Dahlbeck or uh, Marwin, even at times. So, um, it's good to see, and he's been a big part of why we're twenty games above five hundred right now. So. Um, I, I can't take anything away from him. So, uh, my stud for the series, I, I've been like, I've been going, starting pitching a lot lately. So I have to take Nathan Avoldi. He went seven innings today, gave up five hits, didn't walk a single batter, struck out six, didn't give up a run. Um, that was huge because we we kind of blew through the bullpen most of the series. You know, Richards got tuned up. Pavetta got tuned up. Um, you know, we used four relievers uh, in game two. We used a bunch of relievers uh, coming back from the rain delay. I just, I mean, it, it was huge for Valdi to go out there today and give that performance, give this bullpen a little bit of a rest they're they've probably in oakland by now uh long flight so i like what i see and avoldi has been pitching like an ace he really has his era well, is, he
2: has been the ace i
1: mean he is the ace of the staff at I mean, this, this point, point yeah i mean he's 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 earned run averages down to three forty one. I mean, Perez went on a nice five or six run at one point and then Pavetta was undefeated for forever, it seemed like, before he finally got his first loss. And and he was Pavetta was great in that game that he lost. We we just had no uh run uh support. I think that might have even been to the Astros in that first series. But but Avoldi hasn't really looked bad and you know Multiple games in a row, really. Maybe there might have been a two-game stretch where he didn't look terrible. But for the most part, he's been consistent. And if he has a not-so-great start, he bounces right back. And he's exceeded my expectations. I would have guessed he was going to be on the injured list by now. (laughs) My, My narrative all winter was like, we just need a Voldy to get us to Chris Sale. And
2: I mean that's that's how you look at it early. Now looking at Chris Sale's progress, but what Evaldi is, I, I kind of think that I don't want Chris Sale taking the ball in Game One of the playoff game until I've seen him pitch. Like if if they wanted the playoffs is you know next week, and you're telling me Chris Sale could be 80 percent of himself, maybe I almost rather have Evaldi right now at this point because he's showing some major balls. that's why I say he's the ace of the staff. It's not even necessarily stuff because, you know, he gave up seven hits and four runs to this uh, Kansas City Royals team, you know, two starts ago. It's not like he's locking everybody down every start. But when this team needs him, when the bullpen is gassed, uh, or or when the offense just doesn't show up, he goes out there and gives you 6.2 or seven innings, or just, you know, doesn't have his best stuff. And he's like, all right, I'm going to throw 110 pitches. I'll get you out of this game. It's... Cajonis on the table when it matters most. We know he, he could do that because we've seen him in the playoffs. You know, he's like nuts on the table, big moment, this is my time. I love it. Uh, I haven't seen that from anybody else on the pitching staff, especially when some of the other guys on the pitching staff, it's like they go out there and give up an early run. They just want to quit. You know, even even my guy, Martin Perez, everyone who listens to the show knows I'm a big Perez guy. If he gets lit up a little bit early, he gives up, and we don't see that from from Nathan Avaldi. We see the exact opposite, and I love it. He buckles down.
1: And in his last start against the Yankees, he was one out away from going eight full innings. So, just the second start in a row, he's been completely locked down, and and he's he's a big game pitcher. So, if he was the game one starter, fine. And that could yeah, happen. And he's
2: passing the eye test, too. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's not just the advanced statistics or the he's getting lucky behind great defense. Like, no, he's getting ground balls. He's striking people out. He's showing some emotion. It, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. But he could have been a $17 million. You know what I'm going to say?
2: Oh, yeah. I know what you're going to say because we had that conversation Reliever. on that show.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's funny because... I remember thinking the first time I said it, and I know I said it live on the air, and I, I don't regret it, and I don't, I won't deny it because I don't have to do that. Um, I was like, Terry, you idiot. Why? What? <laughs> that makes no damn sense. But, I mean, he, in, in Terry's defense, just because you're getting paid $17 million doesn't mean you deserve to be a starter. Like I, That makes sense. And given his track record, I made a statement which, at the time, Felt pretty legit because we didn't have a uh, like a proper rotation, we didn't have a good lineup. I didn't think we we're gonna do that well considering what we saw for a product last year. And injuries are always a part of the picture, and Evaldi's usually on the list once or twice. He's been fine, so like we've had a lot of things go right this year, which is really good. And I don't want to discount that from the team because this team has been fun to watch. There's been a lot of new names, a lot of new faces. And that's kind of cool, too, because it's it's good to infuse the team with new blood. Um, I'm happy to see the things that I'm seeing for the most part. You know, there are a couple things that are frustrating, but Nate Evaldi doing what Nate Evaldi does. He has a couple couple duds, but whatever. I, guy's still one of the more consistent men in the rotation. So no complaints.
2: Well, I want to just, you know, give out a, a stat for people who don't necessarily follow on Twitter all that effectively or some of our. Our older listeners might not be paying too much attention to the Twitter thread. Uh, Nate Evaldi, according to the advanced statistics, is worth four and a half wins almost on the season. That'd be fourth in Major League Baseball. The guys in front of him: Degrom. uh, I don't have the names in front of me. Degrom, Wheeler, Wheeler, and Corbin um, Burns for the the Phillies, and Corbin Burns, who's Charlie's favorite pitcher in, in the history of baseball. Uh, he's he's cheering right now for those who can't see it he's got himself on view but he's going nuts um that is a stat that would be worth 26 million dollars a year based on the current rate at which contracts are being handed out to starting pitchers and we got him for 17 so his contract went from being something that we were scared of in the preseason and even before the contract was signed it was like dave dobrowski's doing what he's giving how much money to this guy to being actually we're saving a buck right now especially if he could stay healthy and that's a big if i'm knocking on wood
0: yeah but here's the thing too he's getting 68 right 17 times 34, yeah. 68 yeah 68 million over four years had to do the math in my head um in 2019 he'd started 12 games and posted a two-on-one record he was terrible It's lousy i was like 17 million for this this is This is what we gave the money to, and then 2020 also didn't really do. I mean, he did better, but didn't do great. Um, No, but he was the
2: only guy worth watching every fifth day. I mean, everyone else in the rotation when he was there,
0: when he was there. Like, yes, he's earned the money this year, but did he really earn thirty four million dollars between 2019 and 2020? Thirty four million dollars for six wins,
2: probably not. But when you think about it, right? Sure. We weren't going anywhere either of those seasons. That, Was, that I consider it all dead money. As long as you show up when the rest of the team needs you to show up, I don't I don't care what happened in, in the seasons where we weren't going to win anything anymore.
0: I get what you're saying. To me, it's immaterial because you got paid $34 million and you got six wins. You literally got paid just under $6 million per win in two years. So he's earned his $17 million this year, no question. I can I can make an argument in the case that you know what this four-year sixty-eight million dollar deal, right on the right on the head because he's been injured quite a bit, hasn't really earned it the first two years, doing great this year, and I'm super thankful for what he did in 2018. But I mean, if he does well this year and next year, I will say, yeah, we got him for a good good price. That's well, I'm going to
2: be honest. I don't think he's going to be on the team next year, and that's that's a move that I am not. very consistently going to be going to be preaching for the rest of the season. I think if he pitches this way and he shows that he can be healthy for a full season, that's a contract you could move. And that's going to be something Bloom looks to do as we get the we get cheaper in the rotation, as we get younger. I think Gavaldi might be gone after this season. And he's probably going to get us to a postseason as the ace of the staff, assuming Chris Sale can't come back and just carry that mantle instantly. And uh, I'm loving it. I, I hope that we can get a haul for him. I think... He was probably a piece that might have been moved at the deadline if the rest of the team wasn't picking it up, but uh now he's going to be a great deadline piece next season.
1: You could be right and w- let's be real though. He's one significant DL stint away from this contract being an albatross again. I mean, if we Sure, we're oh to... sure.
2: No doubt no doubt at all. It just depends on, you know, how he can stay healthy and that's We say that about every pitcher, right? I mean, that's the the nature of the beast, especially in 2021. But to me, if he can stay healthy for the rest of this season, then we have a decent chance at having an extremely strong starting five. I mean, assuming Chris Sale comes back at 80% of Chris Sale, then you've got Chris Sale, Nathan Avaldi, Nick Pavetta has looked fantastic. And then, you know, the, the fourth slot in, say, a playoff series, Probably goes to I hate to say it, but probably goes to Garrett Richards.
1: No, Eduardo um, Rodriguez, I would say.
2: Or Eduardo Rodriguez, and it just yeah. depends on who's healthy, you know. And that's a really good starting four when you're talking about Eduardo Rodriguez being your your game four starter.
0: Um, no, especially it, with what he's been this week. No, so the, the one thing I I agree with most of what you just said. I don't think it matters if if Garrett if it, like your entire rotation has been shot. Garrett Richards <laughs> is not going to be in that rotation. He just proved it. This this, this I hope series. you're right.
2: I hope you're right, Charlie.
0: I mean, I've been right very few times this year. It's a it's the antithesis of last year. Figured I'd throw a 10 cent word in there to make those listening a little excited, especially the haters. Um, there's there's no way that you can put Garrett Richards in there right now. You can't. You just can't because you're getting cracked against teams that are garbage.
1: We'll, we'll get
0: to him shortly,
1: but with Avoldi, I mean, he ha- last year he had a lower body injury and spent two or three weeks on the injured list. I think it was a calf. It was either an ankle or a calf, something like that, and he's never had lower body injuries, and I'm like, my God, I mean, this guy's he's just falling apart, and then the year before, he had loose bodies in his elbow, which is like bone chips or whatever, and required surgery that took him out for four to six weeks. That was in 2019 where we finished third. I think we won, what, 83 games, 84, something like that. And so I thought this contract just is an albatross. Now, we wouldn't have made the playoffs anyway, even if Avaldi was healthy because Chris Sale crapped out and uh, missed the last five or six weeks. And then so did David Price. And Porcello was, like, well on his way to – an early end to his career. That's how bad he was. So, so yeah. Anyway, so we'll get into some honorable mentions, which is most of the lineup because everybody absolutely killed it. Devers five for 13 had a three run bomb, five runs batted in just today. Overall having a great year, probably going to be the starting third baseman in the all-star Game, Martin. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> JD Martinez, five for eleven, had uh, multiple home runs uh, in the series, four RBIs in the Tuesday game, just absolutely crushing it. He had he had eight runs batted in the whole series, so just back on fire. Xander Bogarts quietly. Five for 16, uh, put together a good series. He had hits in every game. Actually does have a seven-game winning streak. Bobby Dahlback Hitting streak. Hitting streak. My bad. My bad. Bobby Dahlback four uh, for seven. Hit a home run in game one. Had some hamstring issues, so didn't play the uh, third and fourth game. But uh, off to a good start. Marwin Gonzalez, six for 11. Had three hits today, drove in a run. Probably his best or second best series. First time around against the Yankees, though. He uh, definitely crushed it. Yeah, Chavis sucked. Uh, Verdugo, three for 11. And uh, Santana today. Three for five. With five runs batted in. Well, one of those is the cheapie.
2: Admittedly, that, that ball didn't even leave the infield dirt. It did Yeah, out of it.
1: it was just perfectly placed and, and stayed in the air long enough. Yeah, I think they were playing the outfield a little deep on that uh, play. But, but, yeah, definitely his best game so far. He played first base. So uh, a lot uh, to be happy about as far as the offense. Here's the most impressive thing to me. The bullpen logged a lot of innings, especially in the first two games, because starting pitching was not good. And then, uh, well, even the third game as well, but the bullpen did not give up one single earned run the entire series.
0: Can we talk about the bullpen a little more? Sure. Because I distinctly remember, not one, not two, not three, not four, but all five of us idiots were absolute taking a donkey's doo-doo all over Josh Taylor. And he has quietly put together 24 scoreless starts. All oh, of hold May. on
2: now. Hold on now. You're talking to the president of the Josh Taylor fan club, Terrence Cushman. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's listening. Don't worry. He's not muted. Two straight months. Zero ERA. You throw away the first three games of the season, he allowed six runs, and he got torched. He got torched. And we're all like, oh, he doesn't have it. This is not working. Bring up whoever. This is, you know, the left-handers just don't have it. 24 straight appearances, hasn't allowed a run. He's registered 11 holds in the last two months, including two in this series. His ERA is 1.09. That's microscopic. That's Better than good, better than great. There are other teams right now that would be begging to have someone like that close their games. We have him in the bullpen. Like he's our number seven guy, right? He's our seventh inning guy. It's pretty awesome. He's, I mean, you, between him and Ottavino, that's terrifying. I don't want to face either one of those guys. And then you have Matt Barnes doing what Matt Barnes does best, which is just disgusting. That that dirty man or whatever they called him on the T on that was weird. That was that was a weird comment they made about, about uh Matt Barnes. That kind of threw me off. I Matt the Barnes, the
2: nasty boy. Yeah, so the I I, I'm, I'm I had to so do a mouthwash.
0: I had to wash my mouth out. It felt dirty. Um it, it it's just it's unreal, but now it's like everyone is starting to click. And I will say this much I do find it interesting. That Nate Evaldi had the game that he did without his usual catcher.
2: Well, hold on. Now he's had two games in a row now where he's been awesome with Wong behind the plate. The last two starts, right?
0: He's exactly Connor what I'm Wong, saying.
2: And Connor Wong has been fantastic behind the plate for him, even though he went one for five.
0: I don't care about your bat if you can keep the pitcher to allowing zero runs. I don't well, I, I agree
2: with you. He he shut down the Yankees and then he shut down the, the Royals today with Connor Wong, who we know based on you know reports, he worked with Avaldi in the off season. Like they are, are close friends, they work together in the offseason, they're familiar with each other. Clearly, Christian Vasquez is not the right catcher for Nathan Avaldi. This is it, it's pretty awesome watching Wong work with you know. How long have Ivaldi you been sitting so on this
0: information? How long have you been sitting on it? Oh, about just three kidding. hours. Yeah, it, it's it was unreal. Like I, I, I unfortunately because of work, I had to just watch highlights. And I get like friends coming up, They're like, "Hey, did you see what happened? We're winning by like seven. Hey, we're winning by a couple more now." I was like, "Dude, that was a score now." Was it like 11-0? zero? They're like close, thirteen. I'm like, "Oh, great, awesome. That's fantastic." Seriously, like, yeah, they've they scored almost half their runs in the last game of the series. They outscored Kansas City by twenty insane so i don't know I, I i'm i'm struggling to figure out which reliever i like the most matt barnes is definitely your ninth guy if You have sawman you have out cracking it whitlock's in there i'm happy to see matt Andrees did well tonight it, it, but Terry already said it the relievers were on fire it didn't matter who was pitching they all did well
1: yeah a, an unearned run got scored with Andrees out there but um another thing i want to say is the Red Sox are eight and two post sticky stuff. So in the post sticky stuff era, we are eight and two reason I'm pointing that out. Matt Barnes had one of the highest spin rates in the league. So he was on everybody's radar as a guy who could potentially completely fall off a cliff. if once that got taken away and that has not happened. And he's been extremely solid extremely nasty as Dave O'Brien awkwardly said and so bullpen's been fantastic let's go into the duds probably won't spend a ton of time on this for obvious reasons it was a sweep but Job, who was your dud for the series
2: well we got into it a little bit already um, my dud for this series is Christian Vasquez. Not necessarily for his offense, which wasn't great. He had uh, one game with a hit in this series. Mostly for the fact that they took him out, put Connor Wong in, and they addition by subtraction. I mean, it, it helps when you don't have a billion strikeouts in the bottom third of your lineup. But when you can put Connor Wong in there defensively with Nathan Evaldi and and he gives you what he's been giving you, this kid, in my opinion, I know... Andrew would probably disagree with me, and as would many pundits. He, to me, he's proven that he's ready to catch uh, on a more regular basis um, at the big league level through two starts. If it were up to me when Ploiecki gets back, well, he might not get back. Let's put it that way. I think Wong might, you know, his bat he definitely needs work, but he might be ready for an extended stint behind the dish. He's made these pitchers very comfortable back there. And so my stud is Christian. Uh, my dud is Christian Vasquez because he just hasn't been able to do that with
0: the at the same rate. Yeah. N- not hard to disagree with that. I mean, that's pretty straightforward when you go one for 11 single couple strikeouts, you know, I think at two or three um, and you, it's not that you did your job. Well, you didn't do your job. Well, it was the offense that did its job and the pitching did its job to some degree. But it really only was the pitching doing its job when you weren't there. So that's tough. Uh, I mean, you know, he's been great with
2: the bullpen. He's been great with the bullpen all year long. Um, That's more the, the bullpen arms than him, in my opinion. But as far as just calling a game, I just... And this is something that I consistently will harp on. I don't care if your catcher can hit. Like, if Bobby Dahlbeck was was striking out every time, but he was a catcher and our pitching stats were good, then welcome Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, it's like having a pitcher in the lineup. I don't care. But I hate I hate that the fact that he can hit 250 means he has to be the everyday catcher. I just don't like that about about this team, especially when Wong
0: has shown he can do that. And I like Ploeki. So the reason why you've built so much rapport with your relievers is because you suck with the starters because your starters are getting shelled and they're getting canned after the third or fourth inning. So now you've got to be able to build good rapport with your relievers. Why? Because you didn't do it with the starters. If you had Nate go going seven innings, you wouldn't see the relievers. If you're the catcher and your starters are going six or seven, you might see a reliever once or twice a series instead of two or three times a series for multiple innings.
2: Well, so, so now I, here's, my, here's my thing, Charlie, sure. on that, right, is I look at this team – and this is something I've already mentioned, and we've talked about it previously. I think Christian Vasquez is expendable. I, I would move him in a heartbeat. Uh, I the think he's is probably right the there. third or he's probably the third or fourth best offensive catcher in baseball behind you know Perez and uh, Real Muto and maybe one other guy. Um, he's probably worth quite a lot to the right guy. We know that Chris Sale doesn't like throwing to him, and he's coming back. Nate Evaldi clearly does better with Connor Wong than he does with with uh with Vasquez to begin with. And I just I like Ploeki a lot. I would go with Ploeki and Wong. I'd ride it. I, that's that's probably gonna be an ice cold take if Ploeki goes, you know, two for fifty down the stretch, but I'm gonna ride it. I like it.
0: Yeah I'm okay with him going.
1: You know, the the Wong observation with Evaldi is interesting. And he hasn't been known, like you guys have said, to be a very good defensive catcher. But so far, hasn't seemed bad at all. Uh, I'm not seeing a guy that looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean, you also have you have Jason Veritek there. You know, you have Jason Veritek there helping him learn how to call a game. There's no better teacher in all of baseball, uh, as far as that's concerned. And for me, I just think you already have a lot of be- a lot of eggs in his basket. You could go get a relief pitcher for
1: christian vasquez yeah we could hell you
2: could probably get a starter for christian vasquez i think that that might be the route that we have to go at
1: this point i we kind of talked about that i think on the last midweek show and i, I raised the question could you could you trade him at the deadline and i think something unforeseen will happen that surprises everyone and and that could potentially be it Gun to my head, I would say Vasquez probably more likely to be traded this winter. But next year is an option year for him, and then he's a free agent. And I think Heim Bloom would like to capitalize on that and move him a year early, and maybe get a nice prospect back. That I'm assuming that would be a top 11 through 15 type guy, maybe top 20. Not sure. Um, or it could be a, just a one for one for you know maybe another spot in the lineup as well. But I, I liked what I saw from Wong, and I throw caution to the wind. I'm a big Pulowski guy too. I, I think he can when when he's hitting to the opposite field when he's just punching it through the the gap. He, you know, he's a he's a pretty steady hitter. He's got that veteran presence. I noticed with avaldi as well they've been putting Polecki on him they've he, they've been switching avaldi back and forth throughout the year just trying to find a combination so uh Wong was only hitting roughly one forty eight down in triple a the bat just hadn't come around so uh,
2: he's two for nine so far
1: yeah take it. and has one for eleven. Wong was one for five, so they they each had the same number of hits, you know, this series. So I like him, and we've done a lot of talk about who the catcher of the future could be. We got that one guy from Tampa uh, late in spring training who's, I think, our number 14 overall prospect, or maybe he was Tampa's number 14 prospect, but still, he's in double-A right now. Uh, so Hernandez. Hernandez, right. So he's
2: actually he's not on the 40 man. And there was a lot of calls to try to find a way to bring him up rather than Wong just based on Wong's offensive performance. But like I mentioned, I'm one of those guys who doesn't care what the catcher can give you offensively. So I'm in the minority there. Um, as far as that's concerned
1: typically I don't either and at the moment we're looking pretty good with uh, Renfro stepping up and uh, you know Dahlbeck's come around we're going to have an interesting discussion on deep dives which will be released 24 hours from now which could kind of create some interesting possibilities so stay tuned for that Uh, let's get into Charlie's dud who do you
0: have Charlie? I don't think this is a shock to anybody, folks. Um, I've been against this since, oh God, it feels like before time. Um, I will never drink the punch on this man. In fact, if I have the punch, it's probably going to be thrown at him because I can't stand him. Uh, my dud for this series is Garrett Richards. Uh, he got absolutely shellacked again for the fourth straight appearance. His ERA continues to go up every start in the month of June. He's 0-2. His ERA is almost 5. Give 11 hits in 5-2. and 3 five runs all earned, three strikeouts, three homers. Last four appearances, he hasn't allowed any less than four runs. He hasn't gotten out of the—he hasn't pitched past the sixth. He can't even get out of the sixth. And he's given up more home runs. Excuse me. I misspoke. He has given up almost the same number of home runs this season as he has in the last two starts. That's a problem.
2: Well, that's because he can't pitch without glue on his hands.
0: You were brought to this team. That's not an excuse. You got to figure something else out. You were brought to this team because you throw one effing pitch. You are the only Red Sox pitcher that we know that every fifth day, you're going to have a pee-pee poopy in your pants party because you just can't get it done. First and second inning, how many curveballs did Get Richards throw? Over I'm going to take 5. a guess
2: and say I'm going to take a guess and say he did not throw one.
0: He didn't throw one curve in the first two and innings,
2: I, and I know two starts okay. ago he didn't throw one the whole start.
0: And then the start after that, I think he threw eleven, only three of which were strikes. The third inning, he threw four; two were balls, one ended up being a line out, one was a single. The fifth inning, no curveballs. Sixth inning, one curveball did not get out of the inning. Six curveballs; one was a single. One was a line out. Four of them were balls. So your percentage is 33%. It's actually up from your 27.27, a couple, you know, your last start. You were brought here because you throw a sick curveball that now you're not throwing. Because now you're throwing fastball changeup. And I want to say, is it a slider?
2: It's a fastball slider, and he's learned the changeup this week. He's been talking about that for the last
0: five days stop right there you learned it just now you are not going to scare anyone with your fastball and if you do scare anyone with your fastball <laughs> they should be here let's oh, they're be honest in AAA. you're 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 for a player and you're somehow pitching or, or hitting in the, ma- in the majors i just i can't i can't get behind him i just even with everything that we know about Corey kluber and I hope he makes a full recovery. I still would have rather taken the hit on Corey Kluber than on Garrett Richards. Because Garrett Richards, as you've said, Job, and I listen to every single show. I work out for 90 minutes in the morning, and I have plenty of time at 2 o'clock in the morning to listen to you and Andrew, me and Jason and Terry all talk and shoot the shit. No one is in love with Garrett Richards. And you guys have said it. He just doesn't look like he wants to be here right now. Like, he wants a reason to just be able to be like, yeah, I I, I got to relearn how to be a pitcher now. What? That is not something I want to hear. That's not something I want to hear from a guy in the rotation. You, you, you just, you can't. You got Garrett Richards crying, saying, just talk to us. You have Garrett Richards saying, I need to rediscover myself. He had to learn a new pitch last week because he can't throw his curveball anymore.
2: Well, I, I got two things on Garrett Richards, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. Firstly, no major league pitcher is trying out a changeup for the first time in their 10th season. A changeup is one of the most devastating weapons any pitcher can possibly produce. And you're telling me that the first time he's ever tried a changeup is this week? Um, I think that's BS. He might not have a good changeup, but he's definitely learned it before. Because you're now every twelve year old in baseball tries to throw a changeup, right? Now you're throwing it in the big leagues. So that I I think he's just I think he's just
0: he's weak minded in that he doesn't want to throw it. If your changeup is garbage and you throw a not a good fastball, you're you're not blowing anyone. You're not scaring anyone when they see fastball. And your sliders, okay. I don't give a crap what your changeup is if it's not the best changeup. It's not a Mariano cutter. It's not cutter good. It's not change-up good. You're not scaring anyone. Garrett Richards no, scares I mean, nobody. If you're in yeah, a slump, but... that's who you want to face.
2: Oh, I agree with that. He's absolutely the get-right guy for a lot of matchups. Uh Charlie, you, me, and Terry sat here in February. And then again in again in March. And even the first two weeks of April. And those were the only three shows I think we, we did together for a while. We haven't had a show together since the first Garrett Richards Baltimore start. And we said, this guy can't pitch. This guy sucks. And then we took a lot of hate for it for six weeks. And now everyone in the fan base is realizing, guess what? We were right. This guy sucks. And I don't relish in that. I actually wish I was wrong. I wish I was getting hate on Twitter because Garrett Richards was throwing a Cy Young kind of season. At this point, I would have rather them take a flyer on any of the bums out I would have rather had Rick Porcello at $10 million a year than Garrett Richards because the one thing Rick Porcello would give you is compete factor. If he doesn't have he's going to go out there and give you five innings. They're going to be shitty, shitty innings. Pardon my French, but at least he'll throw. Garrett Richards looks into the dugout after every pitch like, come get me, Alex. And Alex Cora, to his credit, left him out there to rot. He's like, no, figure it out. Learn how to compete. You suck.
1: Yeah, I and mean, he's been
2: honest about that.
1: He's a Richards, is just such an unlikable guy, and he just kind of comes off as condescending and he's not graceful when he, he really needs to be humble. And you no, know,
2: he's like Buckholz at the end, he's yeah. really he's Buckholz at the end. People want to compare him to David Price. David Price had some talent, as did Clay Buckholz, but he winds like Buckholz at the end, it's brutal.
1: Yeah, and even when he was on the sticky stuff, even when, or whatever he was using, sunscreen and rosin, that might have been his concoction by the sounds of it, but even when he was on that, he had moments where the game could have went sideways and a five spot could have been put up and then we would have got destroyed. So he weathered the storm pretty good. And I feel like he, he got away with quite a bit during that stretch. And then this time around the offense bailed him out. The offense bailed him out. He gave up three home runs in the first two innings. And I thought, Oh my goodness. And I was so bummed because that particular night, Monday night, I was just so looking forward to a quiet night of hopefully competitive baseball. And we got buried early and then the offense came back. You know, Hernandez had a home run. That was Renfro's two home run night. And we just kind of roared back, won the game six to five. Salomora, Taylor Barnes came in after him. What? Well, I, Ottavino is obviously great, but those are three guys that could come in and potentially hold that one run lead. And they did. So, I mean,
2: Salomora was in there in what, the fifth inning? I mean, that's the really early. Maybe it was the fourth inning. Even. No,
1: it was the sixth, actually. Yeah. Sixth
2: inning. Oh, okay. So, to me, it's just I hate him so much that now I'm I'm picturing him retiring the dugout so early. It's great.
1: Well, we're going to get into a lot more of uh, the starting pitching in the next show, uh, deep dives, like I said. So, we're getting two potential starters back. Well, one of them, definitely, Chris Sale. So, we'll uh, we might kind of touch on this a little bit. Uh, we'll spend the least amount of time with my guy, Nick Pavetta, who has been pretty solid and has had a one definite solid start uh, previous to this one uh, in the post Sicky stuff era. So I'm not going to get too concerned about the fact he only went four and one-third, gave up nine hits, six earned runs, walked two, struck out five. I think the problem with Pavetta was... Not only was he not able to use sticky stuff, but it was one of the hottest nights of the year. Sweat probably running down onto his hands. It just the conditions weren't ideal, and I I think he had a a tough time gripping the baseball. So, not going to kill Pavetta. He's been one of our better starters of of the year. I'm always the last to pick the dud, so I I, I never have the low-hanging fruit, but a dud-worthy start, but I'm not even worried about him going forward. I'll say that.
2: I mean, I don't know what Charlie thinks about Nick Pavetta, but as far as I'm concerned, he gives you a chance to win every fifth day even when he doesn't have it. So even though he didn't perform well uh, against this Kansas City lineup, you got to remember that the two starts previous, he faced this Kansas City lineup and he shut him down through seven and two-thirds. They saw an awful lot of Nick Pavetta seven days ago and he seemed to try to attack hitters in the same way you know he came at guys with like the same sequence oh this guy missed a fastball early and then chased the slider so he went with a fastball and then a slider and they were ready for it the second time through um so i'm not going to hate on him too much for that because when you see a team twice in a week and you go seven and two-thirds against them they see you three almost four times through the lineup it's going to it's gonna happen where they hit you the next time out.
0: So, he did all right the first time against Kansas City. If we're talking about uh, Pavetta, I wouldn't say he was lights out. He gave up three runs in five innings. He struck out six. This appearance, he doubled up the run total. He's not been great the last two months. He had a stellar month of April. It's weird. I mean, he pitched great in, in cold weather, but once it got hot, it just kind of, the wheels fell off. 3-0 and in the first month of the season. He started off 6-0. and So while he had a 3-0 record uh, in the month of May, his ERA was still almost 5. His ERA's 5.5 right now. He's not doing great. He's only had, he's had two quality starts. He had the, the dumb appearance against Tampa Bay where they pulled him out after 100 pitches um where he had a no hitter going i don't think he would have actually had a no hitter and i think that regardless of what people say they the right choice was made the right decision was made you don't you're not going to put someone like that in longer you don't you don't want to risk the injury especially if once it gets cold again maybe he's just better in the cold weather um i mean
2: i agree with you charlie he's not going to throw 140 pitches no
0: of course not no one's going to throw 140 pitches now the only person who would probably do that is max scherzer with like a cigarette in his mouth like no one's going to mess with that man but um, I just, I'm happy that he's doing as well as he is considering what we gave up to get him. Literally, one player, because the other one already came back to Boston. So everything that he does, is as if he can give me five, six innings, I'm content. If he can't give me five innings, I'm a little disappointed. But he got saved because of amazing offense. That's it. I mean, he's been saved well, I mean, a lot this year this because of great offense.
2: So is everyone. I mean, if you look at Martin Perez and you took the Red Sox offense and subbed in the Kansas City offense, I mean, he's looking at eight, nine losses on the season, and instead, I don't even know what his record is now, but I guarantee you that he's got a lot of no decisions that would be losses because the Red Sox offense picks every one of these guys up.
1: Well, I mean, Pavetta's ERA is now 4.43, so, you know, that, that six spot definitely uh, inflated that, and he's been knocked around for six runs in at least one other start as well, so I, I think he's pitched better than what his numbers indicate, but... Like I said, I'm not too worried about it. By the end of the season, he's gonna be one of your back end of the rotation guys. So you're gonna you're gonna take him, you know, every five starts regardless. So uh moving on, because we are at the one hour mark, so we'll cruise right through this series. Red Sox going to Oakland Friday's a nine forty start. Uh brutal for those of us who work Saturdays and then Saturday it's a seven fifteen PM start. And then Sunday, a 4:07 start, Fourth of July though, so people will probably be at barbecues, getting ready for fireworks. So not sure how locked in everybody's going to be with these wonky start times, and then given the holiday. But game one, Eduardo Rodriguez versus Frankie Montas. Both these guys been struggling at points throughout the season, but I think Rodriguez is. Kind of rounding into form. He's coming off a couple good starts. So I hate the fact we're in Oakland because they seem to tune us up every time we go out there. But uh, at face value, I kind of like Rodriguez in this start.
2: Terry, you stole my line. I've been saying he's turning a corner for like five, six shows in a row. (laughs) Okay. And it's good because this time I wasn't going to say it. Uh, I'm going to say, actually, I think we lose this game. Um, You know, the offense... 15 runs today. They're going to be tired. They're flying across the country. um, They flew across the country today after that game to then face Oakland tomorrow at the end of a a brutal stretch. I really think this is probably a a game where we lose to Oakland. It won't be by much, but it'll be just enough to be frustrating. Um, And we'll be in it the whole time, but I think we lose this game.
0: So... Erod's been struggling. Montas has been struggling. But the offense isn't. And if Erod can give you five plus six innings and he allows four or five runs, but you score eight, I'm pretty sure the bullpen will be able to save him. Uh, personally, I, I since I knew I was coming onto the show, I had to think about it for a second. Do I think we're going to win game one? I think we have a pretty good chance at it. I think I feel pretty good about his game. Not so much about matchup number two, but I think there's a fair case to be made that they could take two out of three overall. All right.
1: Job's on mute.
2: Sorry about that. That's the first time I've done that in a while. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go the other way. I can't believe I'm going to be the negative one on the show. I think we're probably going to drop two out of three. We might even get swept in this series in fact that's the way that i'm leaning because i probably think we're going to get swept against the the oakland athletics this week um for those of you can't see you know charlie's uh he's going a little crazy over the fact that i just said that but i i really don't like the matchups against oakland we suck against the american league west there's no two ways about it i think we're one and seven against them already this season Um, and Oakland is closing the division race fast against Houston. They're only down by a half game as we record this. To me, this is just a a letdown spot for the Red Sox after a a big seven-game win streak. Do
0: do you know what's funny about the Oakland series when we faced them earlier this year? We faced them at home, and Garrett Richards actually won, and Rodriguez lost. That's the best part. I think it's going to be inverted. I think Rodriguez could win. I think Richards is going to do what Richards does, which is not much. And um, the Caprillion guy against Pavetta is going to be interesting. I'm saying two out of three because I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm kind of done with the BS of being hated. I already know what my preseason prediction was for wins. I don't need to be reminded again. People have a, a great memory of being selective. Uh, could they win two out of three? Sure. Could they lose two out of three? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oakland's a much better team than Kansas City, but I think that you don't win seven games in a row by accident. Early this year we won, what was it? Wasn't it nine in a row? Nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. So we're definitely capable of doing it twice. I don't think it was a fluke. I I don't think we're gonna win nine in a row this time around because of Gary Richards being in the second, uh, you know, the second slot. But I could see us winning eight in a row. I think it's fair. And then after that, you just have to split.
1: Terry, what do you think? Well, nobody likes the Garrett Richards start. He is up against Cole Irvin, who is not a strikeout guy typically, Uh, more of a guy that gets a lot of contact outs. And if you're going to be that type of a pitcher, Oakland is the place to pitch because that's probably one of the more pitcher-friendly parks. So if this offense can stay hot and we can find the gaps, I I think maybe – Maybe we we win a, a higher scoring game there because you know Richards is probably going to give up at least five or six. Uh, I don't know. He could have a quick hook. I, I the bullpen's been taxed, so I, I don't think Cora would want to go that route anyway. But but it's going to be a high scoring game if the Red Sox win that, and uh, I, I just don't like it. It's probably the worst matchup. Game three: Nick Pavetta versus James Kaprilian um this could be a bounce back start for Pavetta I don't think that the Oakland offense is is that scary uh Caprillian made his MLB debut against the Red Sox in our earlier series gave up maybe what just one run I think he pitched a, a pretty good start it was around six innings and kept us off balance and I'm pretty sure we lost that game. So I don't, and he's been pretty solid since he's four and two with a 306 ERA. So um, that's a game oh, yeah, that, that's kicked in pitch. it could go either way. It could absolutely go either way. Um, <laughs> if, if Rodriguez doesn't win that first one, then, you know, maybe we do get swept there. There's just so many possibilities of, of how this series could go.
2: I feel like we say the bullpen's been taxed in every series at the end of every show. Um, and so winning 15 to one today and, and only having to use Andres is huge. Uh, but I, I'd still just, I'd rather give Barnes, Ottavino, uh, those guys a day off. We saw Xander Bogart's hitting DH today. I just think this is a spot where Alex Cora is like, okay, we can drop a game if he keeps our guys healthy. He does that occasionally. Uh, similar to you know when Francona used to give Ortiz and Manny days off, uh, I think it's one of Alex Cora's faults. So I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose all three in this series. I really do.
1: Well, we have the Angels uh, coming up after this series, and that is the one uh, West Coast team we seem to play well against uh, when we do go out there. So. Uh, So we'll see, but we're going to get into Red Sox Deep Dives. That will be released 24 hours after this show. Um, Everybody have a good start to your holiday weekend. Be safe. Be responsible. Don't get wasted and then try to drive home. Sleep on someone's lawn if you want to. The weather's nice this time of year. Uh, (laughs) Have a good weekend. Take care.